Emmett Fox's power through constructive thinking. The fashion today is to make economic conditions responsible for everything, but this is to confuse cause with effect, to put the cart before the horse, because economic conditions do not produce man's mentality. It is the human mentality that produces the economic environment. The materialist conception of history, asterisk Karl Marx, is more superstition on its way to the ash can. The individuals lived in the same material environment that we do but our conditions of life are entirely different from theirs because our mentalities are entirely different. The real cause for both the rise and fall of Rome was this. For several hundred years advanced and capable souls reincarnated in the Roman nation because that group provided the best opportunity for their further development and for the development of the race. Being the kind of people they were, they built up and organized that great world state, doing a work for humanity second to none in importance and making great progress themselves. Then, having worked out this phase, they passed on to other activities. An inferior grade of souls incarnated the Roman nation, and she gradually declined. This is the true and simple explanation. Many of us have ourselves seen a similar process at work on a small scale. An able and energetic man spends his life building up a successful business, then his work is done, he passes on, and he is succeeded by his son or someone else, a person of mediocre talents or weak character, and at once the business begins to go downhill, ending, finally, in the bankruptcy court. One often sees the same process in connection with a social or political club or other organization. It is formed and made successful by a few capable individuals, and then for one reason or another, they gradually drop out, and being succeeded by inferior people, the enterprise gradually fails. This again is the explanation of the decay of classical Greece. The glory that was Greece preceded the grandeur that was Rome into oblivion because the glorious souls who made Greece glorious went onward and were followed by much younger and less developed souls. Of course, this was really no tragedy. There would be no point racially or individually in those Greeks going on doing the same things over and over again.
They passed on to learn new and different lessons, and their successors obtained an opportunity to take what was for them the next step. For example, Praxiles, having learned so well the lesson of artistic expression, may have reappeared hundreds of years later to learn the lessons inherent in the life of a farmer or a sailor or a merchant. Just as like attracts like, so like produces like. This is what is called a cosmic law, which means that it is universally true throughout the whole of existence, not only throughout the entire physical universe, but right up through the higher planes to the heart of God himself. Always like producers like. As Jesus puts it, you do not gather grapes from thorns or frigs, that is, figs from uh, this correction, thistles. And he also said, by their fruits ye shall know them. So it is with our thoughts and words and deeds. As we sow, we reap. When we sow good, we reap good. And when we sow evil, we reap trouble and suffering. When we sow a little good, we reap a little good. And when we sow a great deal of good, we reap a great deal of good. When we sow a little evil, we reap a little suffering, and when we sow a great deal of evil, we reap a great deal of suffering. This is the law of cause and effect, and it is amazing that people seem to understand it as little as they do. No one expects to sow one plant in the ground and reap another. No one expects to mix copper and tin together and get steel. No one expects to put apples and dough in the oven and get out a great pumpkin pie. But in the less tangible reason of deeds and events, almost everyone seems to think at times that he really can sow one thing and reap another. Yet the truth is that as we sow, so shall we reap, sometimes almost immediately, sometimes after a long, long interval, but always, sooner or later, like produces like. In the East, this law of cause and effect is known as karma, and the term is a convenient one. But whatever we choose to call it, the law of nature still stands that, as we sow, we shall reap. As we have seen, the conditions into which you were born in this life are the outcome of the way in which you have lived in previous lives, and your circumstances today are the outcome of your life up to the present. It naturally follows 
therefore, that you can be happy and well in the future if you will begin now to try to live up to the highest that you know and take every opportunity to help and serve others in any way that may be open to you. No matter what mistakes you have made in the past or what opportunities you have wasted, you can overtake them all now, for your future stretches out to infinity and it is never too late with God. If you have a bad conscience about something, no matter how much evil you have sown, you can be free. Cease the wrong conduct, make whatever reparation, if any, if any is possible. Make your peace with God and then turn your back on the past and never think about it again. Remember that to harbor useless regrets is remorse instead of repentance, and remorse is a sin. Note very carefully that karma is not punishment. If you touch a red-hot stove, you will burn your finger. This will hurt you and perhaps incapacitate you for a few days, but it is not punishment, only a natural consequence. Nevertheless, it is a benign and reformative thing, for after one or two such experiences in childhood, you learn to keep your fingers away from hot iron. If that stove didn't hurt you, you would someday have your whole hand burned off before discovering your loss. So it is with all natural retribution. You suffer because you have a lesson to learn, but when the lesson is learned, the ill consequences cease, for nature is never vindictive. Karma, you will now see, so far from being a punishment, is really the perfect opportunity that ever kindly nature gives us to acquire just the knowledge and experience that we need. Human beings punish one another, grown-ups punish children, and society punish, that is, society does punish criminals. But, though we seldom suspect it, these punishments are afflicted chiefly from a desire for revenge, to get even, with the culprit for the annoyance he has caused, even though we rationalize it in various ways. Nature never punishes, she teaches. It is unfortunate that some people talk so much about bad karma to begin with, you have seen now that no karma is bad at all. And further, such people are dwelling exclusively on the suffering that follows wrong conduct and ignoring the happiness that follows upon good conduct. It is just as much the law of karma 
that every good and kind and wise thing you have ever said or done has brought you fruit of its own kind and will continue to do so. Especially every moment in your life that you have spent in prayer or meditation will continue to bless and enrich you to the end of time. Here I wish to make it as clear as possible that there is nothing fatalistic about the law of karma. You have free will, not omnipotence, but always a choice within reasonable limits. And always you can choose the higher or the lower. The law of karma teaches that by making the best use of whatever talents or advantages we have, even though they be small, we shall win still greater talents and opportunities. On the other hand, if we neglect to make the best use of our talents and opportunities, we shall lose even what we have. The healthy man who neglects his health will lose it. The man with a musical gift, who never practices music, will find someday that his gift has atrophied. The rich man who hoards up his money or spends it all selfishly on himself, instead of using it to do good to others, will either lose his money in this life, or else will be born into poverty next time. God gave him that talent, and he buries it in a napkin. Most of the trouble in our lives is not caused by karma at all, but by lack of wisdom in the present. The conditions in which you began your life were karmic, but your everyday experience is made by yourself as you go along. It is a common failing for people to behave unwisely and then grumble in their difficulties and lay the blame on karma. I must have been a dreadful sinner in my last life, a person will say, my conditions are so miserable now. And yet, nine times out of ten, his miseries have nothing to do with karma, but are caused solely by poor judgment now. I knew a student of this subject who constantly talked in his, rather in this way, he was the proprietor of a small business which was steadily failing. And he was surrounded by debts and other embarrassments. He was full of self-pity and he would enlarge upon his worries and say what a terrible sinner he must have been in his last life to be punished in this way. Now the fact was, as some of his friends well knew, that he had no idea of running a business properly. His shop looked neglected, and the quality of his goods was inferior 
to that obtainable elsewhere at the same price. He was constantly out of stock of the most common things that customers would ask for, and he was constantly borrowing money at high rates to overtake other debts. Obviously, all this had nothing to do with karma. His karma, as far as it went, was good because it had given him a business of his own in which many men would have made a great success. His trouble was poor judgment and, to some extent, laziness. Two or three of his friends who realized these facts and grew tired of his complaints once made an effort to bring the truth home to him for his own good. But their efforts were not well received, and he could not or would not face the truth. Success in your own present life calls for good judgment, industry, and knowledge that you are really the expression of the living God, and no stable success can be achieved without these things. Finally, and perhaps this is the most important point of all, you do not have to accept any set of conditions or any kind of karma if you will rise above it in consciousness. Any difficulty, any dilemma can be surrounded and surmounted by wholehearted prayer. A given difficulty can only confront you on its own level. Rise above that level through prayer and meditation and the difficulty will melt away. You do not, as so many people think, have to sit down and eat your karma with as good grace as possible if you can rise above that situation in consciousness. On its own level, you have to accept it. You cannot transmute it here, but rise above any ordeal in consciousness and you will be free from it. For the Christ is Lord in karma. Ask, see the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 6, and what is scientific prayer, page 259. Our birth is but asleep and forgetting, the soul that rises with us, our life star, hath had elsewhere its setting, and cometh from afar, not entire forgetfulness, and not in utter nakedness, but trailing clouds of glory do we come from God, who is our home. Wordsworth. Okay, this is the end of Emmett Fox's Power Through Constructive Thinking, Reincarnation, Part 3.